Welcome to Donuts with Dudes. This is episode 31. It's February 12th, baby. Anthony and I got another great three topics, and we also got a great expert lined up for you dudes this week. And for our first topic, man, Super Bowl 58. Great game. Anthony and I started out, our first episode was about Super Bowl 57. So we're excited about bringing it back for episode 31. I wouldn't have it any other way, bro. My man. And for our second topic this week, as our intro song alluded to, we're talking about the loss of a country icon and a legend, Toby Keith. Truly a model American, man. Mm. Solo Cup is the best receptacle for barbecues, tailgates, fairs, and festivals, and you, sir, do not have a pair of testicles if you prefer drinking from glass. Hey, Red Solo Cup is cheap. And for our final topic this week, Tucker Carlson, former Fox TV personality, conducted an interview with Vladimir Putin last Thursday. If he dies, he dies. if he dies he dies (laughs) and dude stick around for the end of our show as we brought back dr colton lidke to talk about advances in joint surgery and what to do to prehab and get ready for the upcoming baseball season but before we throw this batch in the oven anthony hit him with that great intro track my dude let's get it Welcome to Donuts with Dudes, where we dive into the things that matter most to men, like sports, business, and mental conditioning. But we don't stop there. We also incorporate health topics, because being a well-rounded dude means taking care of yourself. We're your hosts, Anthony and Cameron, and we're excited to bring you this show, where we discuss hot topics and interview experts in their field, real dudes just like you. So sit back, grab a donut, and maybe some coffee, and join us in the bakery. Special edition, Super Bowl edition, topic one. Loving it, man. Everybody loves the Super Bowl. Coming off the day of, the day after, the day of which should be a holiday nationwide, to say the least, right? I mean. Man, no lie, dude. Like, <laughs> either, either that, either give us Monday off or play the Super Bowl earlier in the day. Or you could just do it on Saturday. Either one. You know yeah. what I mean? 
Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, shoot, I don't. You need a day to recover from that. Yeah, just to, man. like you stay up. It's you know, it's the not even necessarily the drinking. It's right. just the camaraderie, the the adrenaline. Like it's it, it was fun, especially last night, man. I mean, last night was a fantastic game to say the least. I mean, I enjoyed all the entertainment as far as Post Malone doing America the Beautiful. You know, I think it all was a really good show. Man, I, I think, uh, you know, NFL couldn't – I don't think the NFL could let Taylor Swift lose the Super Bowl this year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I honestly didn't know with the script and everything that was being written about this. I almost – I don't know if you got to see any of the stuff that um, I had sent you where it was like about the numerology of the game and all this. Did you even look at that? It was like – so apparently – uh, Taylor Swift has got some fixation with the number 13. So, like, the guy did all these things of, like, that were number 13. It was pretty crazy. But, I mean, just some funny stuff. Like, if, you, if you're familiar with with numerology, yeah, you know, they said something like her, her number's 13. She has a, a, I guess, an album called Number Was 13. It took, she was on a 13-hour flight from Tokyo to San Francisco. Oh. Super Bowl, what is it, 58? Five plus three. Eight is 13. <laughs> man, it just kept going on and on. And I was like, this is a great rabbit hole to go down. But so I was like, wow, man, 49ers are going to win this thing. But then just thinking about it, I'm like, nah, they're not, dude. Like, it's Brock Purdy versus Patrick Mahomes. It's, uh, it's no. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Dudes, if, if you guys didn't, if you didn't get to catch the Super Bowl, which is highly unlikely, but the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, I guess we can go ahead and say Taylor Swift too as well. We'll go ahead and throw her on the <laughs> on the team, but uh, you know they triumph in in overtime with three seconds left and and beat the Forty ers in a twenty five twenty two showdown. And what I think was probably a top three Super Bowl for me, man. I the game was fun. It started out a little bit slow, right? I mean, at, at halftime it was ten to three, and it surely the Forty ers you know they came out strong and they looked like they were they were geared up the most to win this game, right? I mean, I think it just kind of looked that way. The Chiefs almost looked out of sorts, and even Patrick Mahomes, I would say, kind of looked a little out of sorts. If you look at a lot of his passes, even the completed ones, a lot of them were just kind of misplaced, just low or behind the receiver. Um, he even made a pitch to I think Pacheco or and a, a, I think it was Kelsey, but I think it might have been the other tight end where it was just like, man, it's like a four- or five-yard pitch, and it was just like behind him. And had oh, yeah. he, you know, if he had he let him, he would have been a, a good first. I don't know. A lot of things to be critical about. However, they pull it all together. The Chiefs come out. They end up tying the game. They send it into into overtime. And anyway, I thought what I thought was really interesting, man, it, there was only two possessions, and they went 14 minutes and 57 seconds and took that whole entire quarter of that overtime up. Game ends like how you would expect this game to end with a pass from Patrick Mahomes in the end zone for a touchdown. Yeah. The game was very close, dude. If you're really looking at the stats here, I mean, okay, uh, if you're looking at first downs, San Francisco had 23 first downs. Uh, Kansas City had 24. Another stat that I really liked here was um, where were we? Oh, on times of time of possession, 49ers actually had the ball longer. 
with 38 minutes and 31 seconds, and then the Chiefs had it in 36 se- uh, 36 minutes and 26 seconds. So, I mean. That feels about right. Yeah, I mean, pretty even. Yeah, they both. I mean, I think they both had. Well, I think turnovers. I think San Francisco ended up having two, right? Yep. They tied with two both turnovers. Both had two turnovers, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they both had the same kind of mistakes. Just even look at the rushing attempts. 31 for San Francisco, 30 for the Chiefs. I mean, this game was just neck and neck. I agree with you, man. I'd say aside from the Cowboys Super Bowls back in the 90s, this is my favorite one. Yeah, bro, 100%. I mean, it fun. I think most people that aren't true fans of the sport want to see a high-scoring game. They want to see a bunch of touchdowns, a lot of excitement, big prolific plays, you know, 50-yard throws and stuff like that, and that's fun and all. But this kind of game, man, where it's just it's one at the line of scrimmage and where possessions take, you know, I mean, look at the last two drives. They, they were both seven and a half minutes long. You know, that kind of football to me, man, that's fun, man, because that's strategy. That's figuring out the leverage points that you have. That's looking at your opponent's weaknesses. And that's when talent and strategy and everything just comes together and it makes for a beautiful show like it did yesterday, man. I think that's the type of football that I like to watch, in my opinion. Yeah. Let's not forget, well, let's not forget the what everybody was really there. It was the halftime show. Well, I know you're right. You know, like, man, that that was a throwback, a blast from the past. That took me back to college, man, back in 2004, 2000-ish, around there, man. I was like, dude, made me want to go. Um, it was high school for me, but that's cool. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it made me want to go uh, download all these Usher songs again and just go play them, man. Yeah, man. Usher, Usher Raymond. Usher, Usher. I will say this. He did kind of start out a little slow. He came out with a little bit of his, his uh, R&B stuff in the beginning, and just, it kind of mimicked the way the game went, man. Man, it kind of started out real slow, and then it just get, it got some hype to it, man. I was just kind of like, oh, okay, cool. They brought Alicia Keys in. Oh, hey, that's cool. Jermaine Dupree. And I was like, oh, hey, there's Jermaine Dupree. Cool. Dang, they got Lil John in this. Oh, Luda? What? Like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> It just kept getting better and better and better, in my opinion. The only thing that I didn't care for, I was like, skates? Like, what? That boy was doing it, though, man. Dude, I don't know how old Usher is, but that boy was moving on them skates like... He... I'll give him that. That's <laughs> Yeah, that's fair, but but why? <laughs> I just didn't get that part, man. That is beyond me. Don't, and then my wife did say, she was like, but you know what, like going, like when we were younger, like in the early 90s when he first started, man, seven o'clock on the dot. Well, we used to go to skating rinks, man. That was some of the the jams that they used to put oh, on, yeah. man. So she was like, that's what he was bringing back. I was like, that's a fair point. Yeah. You know? A little nostalgic. That's exactly what it was, man. It, it was a very nostalgic show. How about the uh, the kickers, man, setting two records? You know, the the 49ers kicker. Moody. Jake Moody. Moody. That's right. Moody. He hits the... Uh, Sets a record for 55-yard field goal, the longest in Super Bowl history. And then the Chiefs check the Chiefs, the key wow. The Dang. Chiefs kicker says, hold my beer, and yeah. goes and kicks a 57-yarder <laughs> right behind him, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Thought that was pretty cool. That was cool, man. So but, you-, you know, everybody was on point, man. I think the uh 
the the one or the biggest flaw that you can kind of point to, and I think you could there was a pano over to Moody there at the end of the game, man, after they lost the game. You know, all the stuff, the confetti's flying down. He's just kind of sitting there, kind of looking pissed off. And I knew it in the back of his mind. He's like, man, if I would have just made that the extra point after the touchdown, they would have won the game, man. You yeah. know, that, that changes the whole dynamic at the end of the the regular time. And, you know, that puts the Chiefs in a score where they have to score a touchdown, right? Right. So, anyway, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up uh, Travis Kelsey knucking and bucking with Andy Reid there on the sideline, man. Did you just, catch that? Yeah, I did, man. Just uh, overgrown baby is what I was thinking, man. Yeah. Yeah, cause, I mean, I felt like he came into the game almost complaining, man. There was a couple shots of him like, I get it when you don't get the ball every once in a while. It's like, man, I'm wide open. But to take it out on your coach and, I mean, there was – I mean, that was a physical altercation, man. Yeah. I mean, here it is Monday morning. I haven't seen anything. And I know we're coming off of the highs of winning a Super Bowl together, so I'm sure all is forgiven. But, man, I kind of think that a public apology for – the way that Travis Kelsey handled that. And I like Travis Kelsey, man. I, lo- I love their podcast. I, th- I really do think that that was probably over the top. I mean, he he assaulted a senior citizen. Okay? <laughs> Andy Reid is 65 years old, bro. Come on. That's abuse, <laughs> neglect, and exploitation, bro. Someone needs to call Health and Human Services I mean, around here. Uh, it's, it's what it seems like, man. I mean, it's it feels a little entitled. I don't know. But dudes, what do you guys think about all this? I mean, not just a Travis Kelsey thing, but the Super Bowl. Did you guys enjoy the game? I know a lot of people were I saw a lot of people on uh X and on on Facebook talking about there was a snooze fest and um I know some people didn't care for the Usher performance and all that. Uh but you know, I we'd love to hear your uh your stories about it. You can do that by hitting us in our show notes. That'll take you to the link to our website where you can leave your own comments to to this topic, or you can email us info at donutswithdudes.com. All right, man, rolling into our second topic here, man. We're talking about a legend in not only country music, but when it comes to partying, when it comes to a figure of America, you know, somebody that just lived out the, you know, if anybody was to be the ideal American citizen, you know, I just that's one of the first people I think of is Toby Keith for some reason. I don't know why, man. It's just like you got his music that you know, he's got a lot of these different songs, man. The red, white, and blue. Um, he had the song right after nine eleven too as well, talking about kicking the ass of the terrorists and all that, man. Um, uh, but dudes, if you guys don't know, last Monday, Toby Keith passed away at the age of sixty two. Uh, we lost a legend in this world altogether, but Toby Keith was known as a country singer. 
um, lost a battle to stomach cancer, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree with you. You couldn't have said it any better about the the most, I guess, model idea of an American. Mm. You know, he was a good songwriter, showed a lot of patriotism, was an entrepreneur, he, philanthropist. I mean, he was an actor, too. You know, he won multiple awards um, for his work. So I can appreciate a guy like Toby Keith. Yeah, man. I mean, he he really stood the test of time as far as, you know, he really got his career started in the mid to late 80s. And, I mean, and then he – I remember him going all the way through my college careers, man. And, and even though those songs may not come out may, – may not have come out in college for me, but – those songs were definitely party songs. Uh, I feel like a lot of those songs were day drinking songs, tailgating songs that were d- constantly being played, and everybody knows them, man. You know, I mean, um, you got a lot of lot of memories that are tied to his music. I mean, you got forty two. I just looked up a couple of stats surrounding him. Obviously, I'm going to bring numbers to it, but forty two top ten uh, singles. 32 number one songs, 40 million albums sold, and 10 billion, over 10 billion streams. Uh, yeah, I would say that that's a big-time artist. Yeah, that's phenomenal, man. And doing some research, too, as well, just looking up his discography, I noticed that I think his first number one hit was Should Have Been a Cowboy in 1993. Mm. And I can actually just remember being a kid in that, you know, when that song came out, and the Cowboys were winning Super Bowls back then, man. It was That song came out in 93, the Cowboys won in 92 and 93, and that was like, you should have been a Cowboy. Yeah. You know? like the, <laughs> I, I have this Jimmy Johnson, this vision of Jimmy Johnson in my head, like wearing the jacket with the hair all nice. The starter and, jacket. Yeah, and his arm up and just thinking, should have been a cowboy, man. I don't even know if that if he ever said that. He probably didn't. I just put that up and made it together. But, man, dude, 93, Emmitt Smith. Yeah. Too, he, he won the MVP and Super Bowl MVP. That dude, I mean, man, Mr. Cowboys, dude. I know. Look, but great song, too, man. I, and it's kind of funny. I know that he's a uh, – he was an avid OU fan, and so. I, but obviously, being in Oklahoma, you're either a Cowboy fan or a Sooner fan. So it's kind of interesting that he decided to make a song should have been a Cowboy. But I think it's more towards his fandom of sure Dallas Cowboys. But anyways, yeah. So apparently, he was diagnosed with uh, stomach cancer back in 2021. And uh, has been fighting ever since. And, you know, I, we were watching some of the interviews that he had conducted during that time of going through treatment and all that. And just some of his responses back were just, I mean, right up the alley, kind of the same things you expected. He's like, you know what, I whether I live or die from this thing, you know, I'm, I'm, I've wrapped my mind around it and pretty much have, have uh, accepted it, you know. And it just kind of seemed like he was gracefully accepting that this could be the end for him. And, I mean, you kind of look at the guy and you look at the way that he looked. I mean, he was always a husky-looking guy. And the past couple of years, I mean, he just – you could tell that either the treatment and the cancer had definitely done its work on him and really hope that, uh, you know, he's definitely resting in peace and 
he's uh he's with his maker, man. Yep. Whenever I looked him up, man, I did not recognize him. To be honest with you, I had I don't remember the last time I saw Toby Keith, but it was always the uh, the other version of Toby Keith, not this, not, yeah. the, not the skinnier guy. So it made me think, you know, about uh, stomach cancer and and just kind of started looking that up. And they say that oftentimes um, signs and symptoms of some of stomach cancer can go unnoticed. And just some of these symptoms here, I'm gonna cover some for you real quick, just yeah. so that way you know everybody can kind of know what what these symptoms are but one is persistent indigestion another is feeling full quickly after a meal unintentional weight loss loss of appetite nausea and vomiting difficulty swallowing bloody stools fatigue abdominal pain or discomfort swelling or fluid buildup so just sounds like some intestinal issues at any time i mean you could have something like that and just think oh you know i ate something weird or whatever yeah. and not really and just ignore it but that's not to scare you you know that's just but to be aware right, right? i mean if you're having these con- persistent issues that are kind of continuing to show up like i mean we all eat bad food right and that can cause indigestion so yeah like don't go and scare yourself if you ate a bad meal before you went to bed and you've got acid indigestion but you know, if you're not doing that and you continuously are having acid indigestion, things like that, you know, definitely go speak to your doctor about it and make sure you're you're taking care of yourself, right? Like we always say. Absolutely. Dudes, if you want to go check out some more information, dudes, if you want to learn more about gastric cancer or stomach cancer and, you know, if you're starting to be suspicious about any of these things or if you just want to bring more attention to the cause – Go check out gastriccancer.com. They've got a lot of resources and information on there. Just talking about life expectancy, support, uh, signs and symptoms, res- all kinds of different resources. So <clears throat> go check that out if that's something that that has uh, become of interest of you, you know, since Toby Keith has passed away. But, dudes, we definitely would like for you guys to chime in and get involved with this conversation. Obviously, for Anthony and I, Toby Keith was a – I don't know. I, I feel like he was a big figure for music is a big part of your life, and um, Toby Keith was a was a legend and an icon in that right. And so we'd love to hear your stories surrounding Toby Keith. You can do that by emailing us info at donutswithdudes.com, or you can find that link in our show notes too as well, where you can comment and join the conversation. We'll be back in a minute, but now a word from our sponsors. At some point in our adult lives, we may have to turn our attention to the needs and safety of our parents and grandparents as they age. They've done so much for us, and it's our turn to make sure they have the best quality of life. I founded HomeSpark because seniors deserve to have the very best care available, so they can age with dignity and remain independent longer. Our caregivers provide wellness checks, companionship, transportation, meal preparation, and more of what you think is important. To learn more about our personalized care plan, visit us at homesparkcare.com. HomeSpark. We care for people. Dudes, for our final topic this week, Tucker Carlson sat down with Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, 
to discuss the ongoing two years war between Russia and the Ukraine. Now, Anthony and I have kind of been remiss to be able to cover this topic just because of uh, the such political ties that are drawn to this. But since this was really a kind of a big interview, you know, we have a, a an American, Tucker Carlson, a very right, a very right winged um, reporter. And uh, he took to X, the platform X, formerly known as Twitter, and sat down with Vladimir Putin for a two-hour interview and talked all about the the war and what's going on in Ukraine. And, yeah, I think uh, what a lot of people are saying is, you know, this was a big buildup, you know, to be able to actually hear it from the horse's mouth as to what's going on over there, why they're doing this, why they're continuing to press on to try to take over Ukraine. I think everybody's kind of been wanting that from an American stand standpoint or a, an American point of view. And I think we kind of didn't get much that we didn't really any new news. There wasn't anything novel that came out of this is almost like you could have written this. And I think a lot of people are saying that this was a boring interview. Yeah. You know, I think where we kind of need to focus on some of this stuff is just the fact that, you know, this guy was uh, a media personality, right? And then gets canceled and then has to do his own thing. So now he's, you know, he's got to do it on his own platform, uh, where his own website, which is where he released it. And I believe Putin even talked about just the fact that um, our, how our media is controlled uh, by the government if they don't, if it doesn't align with them, they're going to cancel you and and basically make it hard for you to reach these folks, right? Or reach us, reach the people. Kind of interesting in the fact that, man, it's the media. They, you only, we only know what's being fed to us, right? And it's it's interesting because we always say the same thing about Russia. You know how everything is controlled, and you know it's only so we say the same thing about China, how everything's censored right. and all that stuff. And we probably have the same thing going on here, man. And I think that's what Tucker Carlson's point of view was, is like, hey, you know, this is my job to be a journalist here and to go into these tough points, into these tough places, and to talk to the people that we are demonizing here and to hear their point of view about what they're doing. And and I think Tucker Carlson even said it on Monday or Tuesday of last week before he actually conducted the interview that he was just urging people to to listen and to come to the table with an open point of view to just to be educated on what's going on and to listen on it, listen from another um, standpoint versus what you're hearing in American media. Right. And so, you know, I can appreciate that part because I feel like that's, you're not going to get any more truth than that. Right. Right. And you also got to question this, man. It's like, you know, all over the media is, you, you get the interviews with Ukraine's president, right? Yeah. And then we're sending all this money over there and not really getting the other side of the story. I think that's where Tucker was trying to focus there. Right. And they don't really believe in all the stuff that we allow. I don't remember that you don't part. remember that? Uh-uh. A buddy of mine had told me that, so maybe... Um, I don't know. I thought maybe you had caught that. I didn't catch that part. The, the things that I caught... The biggest things, obviously, you know, Tucker Carlson kind of comes out and kind of just 
point blank says, you know, let's let's talk about the war and you know, we you've been a president for twenty four years, and why now? Like, what what is the point of going after Ukraine now, right? Or you've been a leader, or whatever, you know, at at this point, and so it kind of starts there, and he, <laughs> Vladimir Putin kind of goes on to like almost a twenty five minute rebuttal of Russian history of how they started back in the the ninth century in in Kiev and the the Russian area and the um a Nordic king came down to to Rus and, and all the you know the Rus people and all these kinds of things and Tucker Carlson after about 15, 16 minutes of that he's kinda like, all right, where are we getting with all this? Like I appreciate that you you're an encyclopedia of Russian history here, but what are we getting at? I think what two of Vladimir Putin's main points is that he keeps going back to this neo-Nazi issue that he's got going on in Ukraine, right? However, there is a their president is considered to be uh, a Jew, right? He, and he had relatives that were in the Holocaust, apparently, right? But to play devil's advocate here. Ukraine, prior to this war, was always considered to be one of the most corrupt countries on the earth. So let's just, let's just keep that in in mind here, that prior to the war and us providing hundreds of billions of dollars of aid, if not trillions by, by this point, of aid to this country, let's just remember that Ukraine was considered one of the most corrupt countries, I'm saying it again, in the world. And that's one of the reasons why we didn't want them in NATO. Right. right. Anyways, the final thing that I think we want to bring up, though, is that I appreciate Tucker Carlson doing this is he straight up asked Vladimir Putin, hey, you've got one of our American reporters. Would you in good faith let us just take him with us when we leave here? Just flat out ask him. And I, I like I thought that was a good way of parlaying that to him. And uh, Putin was kind of like, well, there's special forces that are working on negotiations. And I don't know, it was a very political answer, <laughs> but I think he, yeah, he called him a spy, right? Yeah. Too as well. Dudes, what do you guys think about this? Obviously we try to bring up most of the talking points in 10 minutes or less of, of this two hour interview. There's probably a whole lot more that we could talk about and bring up, but that's definitely why we would definitely, love for you dudes to jump into our show notes and find that link where you can join the conversation or email us info at donutswithdudes.com. Well, dudes, we're back in the bakery with Dr. Colton Leakey. We uh, had an opportunity with chatting with him last year, talking a little bit about baseball, talking a little bit about prehabbing and rehabbing, things of that nature. But uh, we thought it'd be an appropriate time to to bring Colton back into the bakery and talk a little bit more about some new procedures that he's got going on. And um, But, hey, man, welcome back to the bakery. Yeah, it's great to be back. Welcome Thank you all for having me back. Yes, sir. Yeah, man, we're we're excited to have you back in here, man. 
It's been a few months. Tell us what you've been up to, man. Yeah, I, I guess it's been the last time we were in, in baseball season last time. Now we're right on the front steps of it again. So starting up this uh, this next week. So yeah, just uh, working. You know, football season's a long, long grind in the fall. And A&M uh, didn't quite achieve what we'd hoped for. But, hey, we got a new uh, new daddy's come home. And hopefully <laughs> next year's a better year. We got we're, some national signing days today, the official. Right. So turned out pretty good. A&M's been good on the recruiting trail. So. Yeah, we got a uh, Terry Bussey. Yeah, that was that was a big grab. Yeah, yeah, they've done a heck of a job in a short time of recruiting. Yeah, I'm, I'm liking what Elko's doing, man, and obviously it's something fresh here at A&M. So I'm sure you've had some time to get to hang out with him. Yeah, get to so know him. We've, I met him before when he was here at A&M, and kind of knowing him when he's come back. And he's he's it's a diff, it's just a different mentality. You know, it's more about accountability. He's very very he's big about discipline. So it's been a been a, a good change. Well, yeah, AM needs that, man. <laughs> well, hey, man, uh, I know since the last time we talked, we were kind of getting into, you know, some new technologies. We kind of asked you some of those questions about that. You talked about a robotic arm, and if I'm not mistaken, it's about working with knee replacements, right? And right. can you tell us a little bit more about that? <clears throat> yeah, so we, uh, you know, we talked about a little bit about robotics and orthopedics before, and I've used something somewhat similar for shoulder stuff for a couple of years, but now um, our hospital just purchased one called Velus, and there's several different robots out there. Um, so basically it's four full knee replacements, and you can basically dial in to the degree and to the millimeter of where you want to put the implant and what the expected, you know, flexion or extension is and um, dial in the, dial everything in pretty precisely. You know, it's not necessarily, again, like we talked about before, that if you do a lot of knee replacements, you can do a great job without having a robot. Now, I think the robot really gives you a lot of utility in the more deformed knees than, you know, for a typical knee. And you've done, if you do 100 knees a year, you do a great job at it. You know what it's supposed to feel like. And people have fantastic outcomes without a robot, but the robot is one, it's pretty neat, pretty neat to, uh, to use it. And two, on the more deformed cases, you have a little bit, a uh, little bit eases your mind, so to speak, to be able to say, Hey, you know, we're going to get you back to where we need to be here. And we have the numbers to prove it. That's pretty cool, man. I, I know that, well, I don't know. I just, I assume that, you know, all this talk about AI and all this stuff, I'm sure it's definitely making its way into the medical field and, yeah. um, maybe not so much AI, but just using robotics and, and, you know, being more precise and things like that. And yeah, so, so the robot's it's a great tool. You know, it's still you know you're still you're still the pilot. It's just a new new airplane, so to speak. So they can I mean put in bad information. You're going to get bad stuff out. So you have to know you know the pitfalls and pearls of using it too. So it's another slight learning curve of of learning the ins and outs of this thing. But you know, some people ask you know do I have if if I don't have the robot, am I going to have a worse outcome? No. If you look at the studies, the outcomes are the same. But you know, it's those more deformed ones that get, gives you a little bit more peace of mind. So. Yeah. Yeah. Do uh, do the patients have a choice? Do you, when they come in, yeah, they're absolutely. like, "Hey, I'm doing this." You're, yeah. Do you say it's always hey, your choice? You know, I, I do. I mean, I don't know how many hundreds of new replacements I've done. So if they say, "Yeah, I want to use the robot," and that's great, we can do it. Even if your knee is pretty straightforward, one I did this morning was straightforward as can be. We still used it. Um, or if they say, "Yeah, I don't don't have any interest in using that robot," and that's it's your choice. Yeah. As long as you're informed, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of you know patient choice. Absolutely. What are, are you seeing? a high adoption rate amongst patients right now? Or are you seeing more a conservative? No, I'd rather have a patient's t- or yeah, a surgeon's touch. People like the new technology. Do so they? I think there's more buy-in from it. Um, and then 
you know, some people, you know, especially from my hometown and from the country, they don't care one way or another, just get it done right. Yeah. So. <laughs> it just depends on person demographic, right. but yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Is there a big, is there a big like price difference in procedure? I, no, no, no price difference for the huh? patient at all. Oh wow. oh, wow. Yeah. Sometimes the facility can get an extra fee from their insurance. Most time insurance don't, don't, uh, don't pay for it. Now it's a better marketing tool to get more patients more patients in to do the procedure, but it doesn't cost the patient any different. Wow. Yeah. If it did, then I don't, I'm not sure if I would use it. If it was a huge price difference for the patient. So yeah, uh, yeah, no price difference for the patients. That's super cool, man. Definitely. And I think that's, that's definitely speaks to some of the things that, that we could be facing coming here pretty soon. You know, obviously baseball season showing up and is upon us. And so I, we definitely want to talk a little bit about that and how we can make sure that we're getting in, getting our kids and, and or not even just kids, even just athletes in general. What are we doing right now? If if you're working with, um, I, I guess high school kids, college age kids, you know, what are you doing to make sure that they're ready for their baseball season? Yeah, so it definitely starts before the season begins. Um, a lot of time we have we have tons of conversations about arm care and kind of ramping up to the season getting on these getting these kids on a return what's called a return to throw program as we do for every injury you shut down then you progress through a return to throw and that goes from 30 feet to 60 feet to 90 to 120 and then on the mound um, it usually takes a good four to six weeks before you're ready to roll and so that's the big thing starting back kind of december early january is starting that return to throw program to get your arm in shape ones that don't just ramp it up a lot we start to we see a lot of tendonitis a lot of in the younger kids with their growth plates are still open it's called little league or shoulders basically an inflammation of the growth plate and so we'll see a lot of that stuff coming on in february march and then as the high school kids get into district their arms start to kind of catch up so but the better prep you have beforehand it will really reduce the chance of any shoulder elbow problems throughout the year not necessarily anything devastating but those nagging kind of lingering pains that you throw through mm-hmm Absolutely. I, I kind of like the the idea of kind of progressing into your throws. It's not your first day kind of back in the gym. You're not trying to put up a new PR. You're just yeah, – Hopefully not. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you do, come see me. <laughs> we, we know a doctor. Yeah. We know a guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, on our, on our last conversation, you had said, you know, you definitely want to take the three to four months off yep. in between. And I took that to heart, and we definitely – me and my son did not throw very much, and – Unfortunately, I think now he's like more into video games because <laughs> because he stayed inside the whole time. But is is there anything that it, like essential exercises or stretches that w- they need to kind of start with that can prevent these injuries from occurring? Yeah, and it happens a lot more so during off season than the early season. But if you you Google, I mean, it's probably I think it's on my website, BCS Orthopedics. There's a blog on there, and you can find there's something called Throwers Ten, and it's a group of 10 exercises to basically strengthen the cuff and the muscles around the shoulder blade to strengthen up that shoulder and get it ready for throwing. Um, Typically our guys will do something like that once they're like during their week, probably just once a week. It's kind of like weightlifting, you Mm. know, you can do it and you need to rest to kind of recover. Um, So that's incorporated into our arm routine for, for A&M is not exactly throws to him, but lots of stuff like that. High school kids, younger kids can definitely do that throughout the season. Would you do that like on a off day? Do that kind of on an off day, yeah, when you're not throwing. So obviously we've got the working out part, but what about the nutrition part? I mean, that's going to be the big part too as well, right? Yeah, nutrition is huge when it comes to, especially the higher level you get, 
the higher level you get, the more reps you're doing, and you're not only doing throwing in baseball, you're doing weights behind it. Um, so the nutrition is just as important as your arm care routine, especially the higher you go and the higher level you go. So. Yeah. What about the hard part is, I mean, I, I, getting your kids to, obviously, I, I think you guys have really figured out, I think we talked about this last time, is starting your kids young and only introducing and giving those certain, giving them treats here and there, but, you know, really just making sure they've got a environment of fruits, vegetables, good lean meats, but what would you recommend for somebody that is, you know, not really ever done this before as far as nutrition and, you know, they're parenting their kid and they've, they've only given them, you know, frozen dinners and all this kind of stuff. Where can they start to just make yeah, those changes? I think you the know? base starts with some type of a knowledge. Um, you know, there's hundreds of different things you can Google about what's a, you know, a healthy diet for a kid and, you know, different, uh, easy recipes or yeah. some crock pot recipes and all that. You know, that's a hard thing though, as we, these kids, it's, it's, you know, it's busy. I mean, yeah. you don't have a lot of time. You don't have a lot of time to, you know, cook and stuff like that. And so we end up doing the fast foods or, you know, frozen dinners or something like that. And those tend not to be the most healthy. Um, but versus gaining a knowledge on what's appropriate or what's good for them to eat. That kind of, you got to kind of start from there, you know, mm-hmm. you know, your basic food groups and you, you, I mean, most people know what's healthy and not healthy just in general. But the big thing is if you can, you know, either meal prep that weekend before or something like that to give you a little bit of a head start would definitely help. But again, once you start getting throughout the week, it just gets busy, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. You get into the thick and grind of things and right. it's like, man, let's just pull in right here. Just <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> Is there? I'm I'm on your website right now, man. It's actually really impressive. Um, is there where where could people go to on there to find some of the arm stuff? I think on the top right, um, <clears throat> there's a pull down menu under media. If you go there, oh, there to, it is. to there's probably there's I think there's blog on there. There's mm-hmm. different articles and blog. I think it might be there. I'd have to go back and look, but it's under that media tab gotcha. at the top right. But there's a, a return. I think my return the throw program is on there for baseball. Return the throw for quarterbacks. Um, and then arm care stuff is typically on there as well. Oh, yeah. I found it. Yeah, I probably need to do another updated thing about in-season arm care versus off-season arm care and that. Yeah. Well, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, the prehabbing and all that stuff, but what about, you know, cross-training and things of that nature? What is your recommendation in-season for, you know, your your extra stuff, you know, exercising, lifting weights, all that fun stuff. What- yeah, I think it's important to continue your cross-training and weight training and that kind of deal to stay strong. So, you know, if, if, you, if you're going to take three months off of any kind of lifting during baseball, you're going to basically be doing the same mm-hmm. same activity all the time. You're hitting and you're throwing, you're hitting and you're throwing. I think the cross-training gives you better balance, you know, each side of the body, especially, you know, baseball tend, depends a lot on the core, a lot on the hips and glutes. Um, the weight training is a big benefit in regards to that lower body training, and then you'll you'll activate your fast twitch versus slow twitch muscles and all that. So I think cross training still continues to be a big role. Um, and our guys, we they weight train. I mean, multiple times a week, even during the season. So it's wow. weight training is something that continues to go on. Yeah. So you don't scale back, like especially if you're playing a couple times a week. Is there different like scale or frequency like scaling back or yeah you that scale change? back on upper body stuff um scale back some on the lower body or the the uh it's more of a maintenance type of thing um it depends on position too the pitchers have a different routine than the outfielders and infielders and that kind of thing so it depends on one 
what your pitching day is. Two, if you have any issues going on, arm soreness or something like that, then they'll will alter the alter your exercises, alter your lifts, alter the uh, reps and weight too. So it's very it's very intricate. Right. Gets to that level. Wow, pretty dialed in, huh? Yeah, yeah. So these guys are experts, man. They know. <laughs> they're they're really good at what they do. That's pretty cool. Uh, is there a certain age you would say you know to start introducing weights and that kind of thing? Yeah, it's a great question. So if the kids that are below puberty, or it's okay. You hear about you know the the risk of shutting down their growth plates or something like that's not really true from weightlifting, where you're going to get so before they hit puberty and they, they uh, kids have that natural boost in testosterone, they have they their muscles improve on something called neuromodulation. Basically, the muscles are more efficient, but they don't really hypertrophy. Once they start having that natural testosterone production, then they will really get the hypertrophy. And so it's a different mechanism when you're younger than it is older. I don't think there's a necessary time frame in regards to age that it's going to be, you know, you got to get them started at this age. I think if you can get them interested early, have them start to learn what's good, what's good form, that kind of thing. I think that's that'd be optimal. I'm, I'm curious to see. I, you know, I do a ton of weightlifting. I love that. I have for a long time. Uh, I'm curious to see what my little, my boy's going to be interested in. You know, if my dad would have told me when I was in seventh grade, oh, you're going to come to the gym with me, I'd be like, yeah, that's probably not going <laughs> to happen. Right. <So. laughs> right. Right. Get out of your dad. So we'll see. You know, yeah. I think they have to have a, some type of an interest in it or they're, you know, it's just like baseball and going to the batting cages. They don't really get that. you got to practice to get better, you know. So they just enjoy playing and that's what they want to do, so. Right. I think they have to have some type of buy-in too. So we're looking here on the, I'm looking now, I got your, uh, 10 your thrower's 10 exercise program so really these this is rubber band lots of band work you can yeah. do some of the stuff with weights but a lot of it's resistant band work. yeah i mean you can bring those anywhere you can bring those to the field you can do those that stuff anywhere do you think incorporating this into your practice plan is what we should do or would you say this is something parents should be doing at home i think you'd probably be best doing it at home i mean the practices you don't want three-hour practices ideally you know you want to get in get your stuff done efficiently and then get out. And yeah. So you can always incorporate it. It doesn't take very long to do a mass, you know, a mass meeting, a lot of people getting in the vans the same way type of deal. If it was me, I think it would be more beneficial to do it at home type deal mm. um, than taking practice time. Yeah. To do it. Show up ready. That's right. Loose it up. Kind hey, of I'm a big fan of being more efficient than, than anything. You're here. Well, there you go, guys. So if you hear this, uh, go to bcsorthopedics.com, and then what you're going to do is go to the media tab once on the right and then go down to blog and it should be on the second page you're going to see throwers 10 exercise program and that's where you can find this program so yeah you just type in bcs ortho it should pop up and and if i'm not mistaken i think i saw you're doing some videos on facebook too as well where can we find you on that to yes yeah, so follow you google dr colton Lidke or go to you know search it on on facebook those will all pop up we do different types of videos, um, you know, from procedures and all that kind of deal. So, yeah, yeah. So it's just Dr. Colton Lidke on Facebook. And so we have, um, we have, I have some help on that to post those occasionally. And some of it I do myself. Absolutely. Dudes, go check that out. And, uh, Colton, we appreciate you coming and joining us in the bakery today, man. And we'll definitely make sure to get you back here soon again. You bet. You bet. Thanks, man. Absolutely. It's fun to be back. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, man. Well, dudes, Thanks for tuning in for episode 31. I hope you dudes enjoyed the topics just as much as we did. And I hope you dudes really enjoyed our conversation with Dr. Colton Litke as we discuss his new robotic arm 
that he's using for for surgeries. It was a pretty interesting discussion, man. And guys, if you'd like to learn more about our buddy, Dr. Colton Lidke, orthopedic surgeon, you can email him at drclidke at gmail.com or visit his website, bcsorthopedics.com. As always, you can always find our content at our leak tree at Donuts with Dudes. And dudes, if you want to request a shout out or comment on today's show, you can do that by emailing us at info at Donuts with Dudes, or we always have a link in our show notes that will take you to our website where you can comment or join any discussion on any topic on any of our episodes. Dudes, remember, our mission is to make men and women better and smarter each week. So if you get a chance, share the show with some friends. Yeah, dudes, I hope you'll share this show. And until next week, take care of yourself, and we'll see you in the bakery for our next batch of our fresh hot topics.